Welcome back to the Cater to You podcast, and I'm your host, Mawa Tomas As you may or may not have read in the episode description, today we are going to be going through life lessons that I have personally acquired from my cute little 20-year span of life. My birthday was almost a month ago, so I thought, why not? So we will start by covering the lessons on how we approach life then move on to lessons on love, either romantic, familial, or platonic, and lessons on the relationship with oneself. We'll cap off the discussion with the put-me-on section of the pod as usual. Let's get into it. Let me put out a precursor and say that I was wary of making this episode because I was allowing societal discourse to convince me that I have absolutely nothing to say or offer in respect to discussing the philosophical concept and hot-button topic that is life until I have reached the peak or the maturity of the different spheres of my life. Put simply, I was feeling like I can't provide insight until I'm like 45. (laughs) But I have decided to reject that way of thinking because Whilst I am aware that my perceptions may change as I grow and as I adult, I do believe that there is still value and there will always be value in what I'm learning along my journey and along the way. So I have three lessons for each category that I've created. And the category we have for our first deep dive is lessons on life. So lesson on life number one. I'll start with the one that once triggered me the most because I am a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) I think I've mentioned it on a previous um, episode. And so this life lesson for me was very hard for me to catch on to. And the life lesson is simply start. (laughs) Don't wait. Don't mull it over. Don't analyze it for too long. Don't do a thousand percent of research. Start. And if you're afraid of the failure and you look like you don't know what you're doing, there is only so much that research and thinking about it can fulfill with regards to making sure that you don't make a mistake. Starting and actually doing something is almost the only way for you to know what you personally need to fix to make sure that whatever your craft is or whatever you want becomes better. So I think what personally did it for me that made me realize there is really no point in analyzing everything to death before I actually start. And the fact that I was never starting because I was too scared to start. So I just told myself that I'm not starting because I'm still working on it. I'm still drafting the idea or whatever. But I was listening to a YouTube video that unfortunately, watching a YouTube video that unfortunately I can't even remember. I can't even remember the title. But I do know that it was a YouTuber by the name of Kopano Shimange. 
And she made this analogy um, about a green light, the green light analogy. So her thing was, if there are, for example, eight um, traffic lights, and all of us are lined up at traffic light number one, and we're all waiting for the traffic light to turn green, what sense does it make to wait for all the eight traffic lights to turn green before you go, as opposed to seeing that, okay, traffic light number one is green, I'm gonna go. Traffic light number two is still red, I have to wait, but I'll go when it turns green. So essentially she was saying, while you're thinking, and while you're quote unquote perfecting your idea and obsessing over how you're going to make it happen, but never actually acting, other people are actually in motion. So you're sitting in your little car and you're waiting for the one out of a thousand probability chance that all the green lights will turn on at the same time for you to move. You're thinking that everything has to be perfect for you to actually make any kind of mood, any kind of move whatsoever. And that will slow you down and it'll kill you. So life lesson number one, just start. Lesson on life number two, if you don't like it, change it. (laughs) If you don't like it, change it. If you don't like the cards that a certain person has dealt you, a certain person has dealt you, you don't like the food you were served, simple things. You don't like how a particular environment looks. You don't like the room that you're in. You don't like the, the kind of experience that you had at a particular place, change it. And at least you know that if you tried and it fell through, then you know that you weren't playing passenger princess in your own life. You were actually trying to drive the car towards a particular destination. I think when it comes to changing your situation instead of just sitting in it, people tend to use gratitude as a weapon. Because there's this just belief that at least you have X, Y, Z, and you should be grateful for what you do have. Or that you don't want to make someone else's job harder than it already is. But are you willing to continue to have subpar life experiences based on weaponizing gratitude and allowing other people to grow in their spheres of authority? The issue with weaponizing gratitude and allowing yourself to stay in situations that you could easily change, that you could easily just report and say, I don't like this, that you could easily complain about, is that you literally program your mind to think that everything is universe fate type of energy and everything is out of your hands. So you just sit and let life happen to you. Lesson on life number three. External changes may bring you peace. External changes may bring you ease, comfort, but they will never bring you joy. Do not use desire or your achievements to cope with how you feel inside because you will be disappointed every single time. Nothing in life can protect you from sadness, from anxiety, 
from feeling like you are not enough or anything of that sort. Healing is the only thing that will heal you. Not achieving more, not getting more things, not doing better than your parents did or whatever else. Healing is the only thing that will heal you. There is no loophole to your trauma or your feelings of inadequacy. You cannot cheat your way out of actually dealing with the real problem. You cannot move into the apartment of your dreams way out of your healing and your trauma. You just carry those things with you. And our second deep dive is lessons on love. And as I mentioned in our portion of what to expect for today's episode, lessons on love applies to love that is platonic, love that has to do with your family, and love that is romantic. Lesson on love number one. (laughs) Just because we laugh together doesn't mean we should ride together. Chemistry is great. It feels amazing to connect with people. It feels like you're having this out-of-body experience when you're like, this person and I can bounce off each other, we low-key get each other. But alignment is what makes relationships work. Alignment it was, is what is actually the phenomenal bit of being friends with people, of being in relationships with people. It's not enough for us to be able to crack jokes and be witty together. It's not enough for us to be able to think the same things are hilarious or have the same sense of humor or like the same things or be interested in the same things, but we have to be aligned. What do we both think is necessary to make a relationship work? What are our needs? What are our wants from a relationship? Don't put chemistry ahead of alignment and understanding each other in the other aspects of your identity when it comes to trying to build a relationship with someone. And lessons on love number two, we have when you feel yourself begging, let it go. As soon as you start to feel like you're standing in front of a person or you're in a particular situation with a person and your response, you can already feel that your response is going to be, please, or why haven't you, or why don't you, about something that you have discussed before, or about something that this person has has proven they are unable to give to you, that's the marker right there. That's the marker to just say, okay, you cannot fulfill what I have been asking from you. And what I have been asking for you is clearly something that is too heavy for you to carry. Otherwise, when you continually beg, you reinforce an idea in your subconscious mind that your desires are a burden, that you don't deserve to be considered the way that you would like to. So don't make a habit out of going back to people to ask for your needs over and over again. Because it creates toxic habits within yourself and toxic mindsets about who you are to yourself. 
Lessons on love number three. Be wary of people who project their fear and insecurity and limiting beliefs onto your life choices. People who, before trying to understand you or even congratulate you, meet you with a list of impossibilities. Meet you with a projection of what their own personal rules for how to do life are. Because it's one thing to have people in your life who say, okay, I see this is what you want to do. I see this is what you want to become. I am interested in finding more of what that is to you and more of what that means to you. Life is hard as it is. It's unnecessary to surround yourself with people who do not provide a foundation of support. And like I said, support does not mean you are surrounded by people who just say yes and wow to everything that you think and everything that you say. But people who don't meet your desires for life with an excitement for who you're becoming is something that you should be careful around. And for our last deep dive, we have lessons on the self, on how I related to myself and what I found out from my relationship with myself over the years. Lessons on self number one. I cannot shame myself into feeling better or doing more. (laughs) Because it doesn't work. Shaming myself does nothing but give me a false sense of security that I am still in control even when I am not. And when I say I cannot shame myself into feeling better or doing more, I mean that there's an encouragement from society and from people in general, not only because that's what they do to themselves, but also that's what's expected from living in a capitalist, constantly producing society is that the expectation is that when you are unable to function, when you need rest, when there is a deadline and you can't meet it, your first instinct, your reflex is to shame yourself into doing better or pulling up your bootstraps or whatever they say. But shame is not the key to being more productive or feeling better about yourself in that moment. Shame is just a cop-out because you don't want to look like you're lazy. You want to look like the kind of person that beats on themselves when they are unable to pull through. But it's like, what's the point? You're still not able to, to pull through. So why don't you meet yourself with grace? Why is shame necessary for you to acknowledge that, well, I was unable to show up in this moment? You can acknowledge that without beating yourself up about it. You can acknowledge that and then make systems for how you can do better next time. There is no need to punctuate every mistake you make with a, oh my God, I can't believe, and da da da. It's a waste of emotional equity. It's a waste of time. And at this point in my life, I reject and refuse to harness anxiety just so I don't feel inadequate. 
or just so I don't feel lazy. I don't have to feel bad about myself to know that I could have done better. Lessons on self number two. Beauty or intelligence or humor or whatever characteristic that I value and that other people close close to me value in life or in people is not the rent that I pay to exist in this world. I can exist ashy. I can exist not in the mood to talk. I can exist angry. I do not need to be given permission to be human just because it's not beautiful or inspirational. I have a right to just be and to allow for my emotions and my current state of mind to flow. As long as my emotions are not harmful to you, but are just simply making you uncomfortable, that part of you being uncomfortable is really none of my concern. And I think that is just self-explanatory. So we'll move on to lessons on self number three. I don't have to collapse admiration into aspiration. I can think something is beautiful. I can think something is cool. I can think something is galactic, out of this world, without wanting to embody it. I think the media encourages us to absorb everything that we see. And for everything that we see and everything that is marked beautiful, for it to become our preferences. But then that becomes an issue because you end up having ideals and a vision for what you want for yourself that don't even belong to you or that were never your intention or that were never your desire for life. I can look at something and think, wow, I love that for them and say, that's not my path. I don't want that. I can look at marriage and say, oh my God, and fawn over them and, and take screenshots and say, beautiful. Love is a beautiful thing. And say, but that's not exactly what I want for myself. And for that to be okay. There are so many different flavors of beauty to choose from. You don't have to choose them all. Or at least you don't have to choose it just because everybody else is saying it's so amazing. It doesn't have to become something that becomes yours. You can love it from afar, and that's still valid. And to move on to our put-me-on section of the pod and to tie up our discussion, we're moving to a corner of the episode where I mention anything that's been on my timeline in relation to the episode's overall theme. So it could be anything from an Instagram post to a concept in a book and so forth. Because of the theme of this episode, today's put me on is something I am still learning as opposed to a lesson I have grasped. 
And for today's Put Me On, we have a quote from Instagram by at Black Liturgies. The quote goes, you shouldn't have to silence yourself to belong. Who will stay with you once they have heard the truth of you? I think particularly because of the season that I am in in my life right now, where I feel very raw and very stripped, um, this is something that I am still learning to feel empowered by. Speaking my truth, especially when I feel vulnerable or especially when I feel that voice of fear of rejection coming up, is a lesson that I am still in the midst of learning, something that I'm still practicing. Because it is true that silence is not the key to belonging. And if you speak and there is a lack of alignment, then you know that this is not where you belong. But if you don't speak, you are just deluding yourself into being in a space that you aren't even sure whether truly loves you or not. And that's where the fear is, is you don't want to find out. But at the same time, it's more worth it to find the people or the tribe who will stay with you once they have heard the truth of you. Because that is a space that you will be able to fall into blindly, knowing that the love will catch you. So. Yes, that's it for today, guys. Um, thank you for gifting me with your time and energy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I look forward to next time. A reminder that anyone or any material that was mentioned in the episode will be listed in the description. And just in case you're feeling frisky and would like to leave a message, the podcast email address and voice message link will be down below as well. Let's meet again next week same time, Sunday before noon, and same place, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. Happy listening. Mwah.